Hello, and welcome back to IDG's Ahead of the Pack podcast, brought to you by AWS. Enterprises are looking for ways to capitalize on data to accelerate their business agility. Innovations in cloud, artificial intelligence, and machine learning provide tools and methods that address these opportunities and challenges. Ahead of the Pack is a series of podcasts with leading thought leaders who will share their experience on how enterprises are leveraging these tools and the outcomes they're achieving. I'm Tim Crawford, CIO and Strategic Advisor at Avoa, and your host. Today's topic, how machine learning and AI are improving the customer experience at T-Mobile. Our guest today is Heather Nolis, Senior Software Engineer at T-Mobile. Welcome, Heather. Hi, thank you for having me. You know, it's great to have you on the program today. And before we get started into the meat of the discussion, maybe you could take a minute and introduce our audience to who Heather is and then the role that your team is doing there at T-Mobile. Yeah, absolutely. So so I am a machine learning engineer on the AI at T-Mobile team. And what we're really focused on is uh, contact center artificial intelligence. So um, if somebody has a problem on their network or with their phone and they call T-Mobile, how can we help those experts sitting in the call center solve your problem as quickly as possible using all of the information that our company has um, at its disposable that is way more scalable than one human brain? Because in general, when you call when you call an expert to ask a question, they can do everything that their one brain can. And we're saying, okay, what can we do if they can have the power of, you know, little artificial brains, essentially, scanning all of our data, creating models and returning insights that are way bigger than one person could glean in just a few minutes. And specifically, why why this is so, 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 so cool for me is uh, my my original degree was in neuroscience, and I always imagined myself being a neuroscience researcher, and then I kind of fell in love with programming. So being on an artificial intelligence team and being able to do these human actionable things while bringing in my insights from how actual brains work is, is kind of my favorite thing. So I feel extremely lucky to be able to get to do the type of job that I do. No, that's great. And your passion definitely comes out in just the way you talk about who you are and what you do. And, and I think that's, that's really encouraging. You know, one of the things that, that we've heard from other guests on the podcast is they talk about focusing on a business outcome. When you think about machine learning, you think about AI, start with the business outcome and go from there. Use that as kind of your North Star. What is the outcome that you're focusing on there at T-Mobile? Yeah, so because we really build artificial intelligence that sits between a care agent and the customer, um, what we're focused on is improving how quickly they can solve your problems. And so interestingly enough, our models are often held to the same metrics and standards as our real agents are. So um, for instance, we're really interested in ensuring when you call in with a problem, you don't have to call back. And so our models are held to that same metric, whereas, okay, if, so, if a customer entered a channel and had a problem and then they called back later and our model helped on that problem, well, then our model has a really bad first contact resolution score. Um, and so, yeah, we literally try and make the artificial intelligence be held to the same accountable actions as the, as the human intelligence. But it gets a little bit tricky. And, and, and where it gets tricky is when I'm training a model on my machine, I can look at accuracy scores, I can see F1s, I can look at confusion matrices, and I can see all of these metrics that make sense to me in isolation about the, the truth that my model entails. But when you deploy a model, since we are being measured by these 
human holistic care center KPIs. When you deploy a model, the accuracy that matters to the business is not the accuracy that I found on my machine. Because I can train a model on my machine that looks very, very, very good. And if I deploy it in very different than the last model I deployed, the human receiving that information will interpret it differently. So what we really need to be measuring constantly, and that's why I don't just look at accuracy on my computer. I don't look at F1 scores. I really am driving to those first contact resolutions, the customer satisfaction, because what we're really trying to measure is the accuracy and the performance of our machines, our models, in tandem with the care experts and the human brains on the other end. That's where the real juice is for the business. And so that's where we should also be focusing our machine learning efforts is, is on those human measurable KPIs instead of just you know, recall and precision and all the things that make me feel warm and fuzzy as a data person. No, that, that, that's great. And, you know, one of the aspects that I could imagine folks listening to this would be asking is, so where do things like chatbots kind of fit in the mix as you think about self-service and, and the rest? So what we've found is it's about 30% of our customers want to self-serve. And those people really love self-service and they really love the chatbot experience. But for the other 70% of people, they don't want to interact with the chatbot even once. Um, like either, either you think it's great and it's great to not have to talk to a person or you never want to speak to them. And so that's what we really try and focus on that. We try and focus on the 70% of people who never, ever, ever want to speak to a chatbot while creating flexible options that would allow somebody who is in the 30% minority to go ahead and do that self-service, which is why we're so focused on the contact center AI. Somebody joked once and they said, well, when you say you're focused on contact center AI, all you're doing is building chatbots for agents who then, who then relay human information to the customer. And I was like, maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe that's totally true. And that's also extremely fine, right? Like there's always a human level nuance in communication that people are always going to strive for. And chatbots haven't reached there yet, um, but they can yeah. get information across. So. Yeah, and it sounds like there's a lot more to it that you're working on. I mean, maybe let's delve a little further into the technology and geek out a little bit. Um, you know, there are a number of different technologies you could choose from that are out in the, the public domain, whether it's open source or commercially available products. Which ones are, are you kind of centered around or have found work for you uh, there at T-Mobile? So for, for my team in particular, we are really focused on these sort of homegrown data science solutions because it's, it's easy to get lost in a sea of vendor options. And so we're really focused on, okay, when I'm sitting at my desk, how can I build models? And, and how we generally do that is we use some Python. We use a lot of R, which isn't very common, I understand. But I, my background is in science, and it's a statistically sound language, and so I love that about it. Um, so we do a lot of deep learning in R. It's a lot of TensorFlow APIs that we Dockerize and then throw into Kubernetes clusters. And, and I like to talk about that because it, it feels very craftsman, right? Like these are artisanally crafted models that I do at my desk. But that's not to say that we don't leverage a lot of other services. Um, in, in particular, we use a lot of SageMaker Ground Truth because it's a really easy way to do that data labeling, which for somebody who wants to make these beautiful artisanal handcrafted models, you have to have tons and tons and tons and tons of labeled data if you're going to do deep learning whatsoever. And so those sorts of products that are maybe less less flashy to the outside consumer, um, but are focused on data quality and have a lot of meat to them are the type of things that interest my team when looking at other companies. How do you start to think about things like natural language processing and bringing that into the mix? Because this is less about just raw data and more about 
verbal. You've got the voice that comes into the mix yeah. for the work that you're doing. So how does that fit into this? So, so our team grew out originally. The, the AI team came from an idea. And the idea was I was actually on a software team that built the plumbing that allows uh, call center experts and customers to text back and forth. So if you're talking to someone on Facebook or on Twitter, so we, we owned all the transcripts that flow underneath us. And so that's how we are. I was like, great, I have a ton of data. Let's start building models. Um, and then the ask from the business was, okay, well, only 10% of our customers want to text with us. Most of them want to talk to us. We're a phone company. So how can you get your models working in voice um, and, and to be able to, to up-level all of those customers that are calling in on the phone as well, which is the bulk of our business? And so we actually worked with AWS to lever to leverage AWS Transcribe to do those transcriptions in real time, optimized for telephony audio in our specific lexicon, which we can then pass into our models so that way the things that we built in text can scale into voice very easily. Hmm. And does scalability become a challenge as you start thinking about some of these technologies? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the example that I always give is even in this conversation, we've gone back and forth like a hundred times. If, if a machine learning model was running on this conversation, every time I talked, it would need to be transcribed, not when I finish, but as I'm speaking. So that way we can have the results as soon as possible. And you think about how many times you could break up those 100 back and forth. It's thousands and thousands of times the models would have had to be run on this conversation alone. Um, and so in, in just text alone, our intent classifier was being run about 2 million times a day. And as we're scaling up into voice, we think that it's going to hit something like 12,000. Man, I said thousand and I meant million. (laughs) That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So as you went through this process and you started to, to gain more and more experience with the tools that you're using and the way you're applying them to address these business problems, I have to imagine that there were some surprises that came out of this too. So as you developed this technology, where were those surprise areas that ended up helping maybe your part of the business, but maybe other parts of the business and ostensibly customers as well? So so my, my favorite example of this is we needed a very quick internal information retrieval algorithm that just says, okay, if a conversation is happening, what internal Wikipedia articles do I want to display to that person? And so... While we were developing this model, it basically does a TF-IDF on the conversation and on all of the Wikipedia articles, and then does a cosine similarity between the two, assuming that conversations with more important words that are similar to documents with more important words are more relevant. And so we built this model, and it, and it runs pretty okay. Like, we enjoy it. It's in production. It's, it's working. And that summer, somebody approached me, and they said, hey, I have a problem. I work on the wholesale team and we get tons of bug tickets, just tons of bug tickets. Every time somebody, every time T-Mobile buys a huge batch of phones, we have to go through all of them. Every individual tester files all of these bug tickets, but often the phones have repeatable problems. It's every single person saying the screen is too dim or every single person saying that there's a weird noise when you plug it in to charge your phone. And they had humans going through manually all of these items individually, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because so so many are repeated. We were able to take that exact same algorithm that we developed for doing information retrieval on our Wikipedia articles 
and use it to cluster the wholesale bugs and solve that problem as well. So it's part and parcel, just able to pick up and move to another part of the business and deliver real value there. That's great. That's great. And I think that's a great example of how you can take this and parlay it into other spaces. When you think about that success, when you think about measuring success, um, there are a number of ways you could approach it. Uh, how do you think about measuring success at T-Mobile and the work that you're doing with your team? We are always, always, always focused on customer's reaction. So, so there is because we are in the call center space. So we can we can measure based on just accuracies, but that doesn't that doesn't actually help the business. So the, the things that we are held accountable for are the KPIs that literally our care agents are held accountable for. Um, such things like uh, how satisfied were the customers at the end of the call? And did they have to call back again to solve their problem? And did they get extremely frustrated? Um, because the way that our customers feel about our business and the way that they experience our business really is what we should be aiming for all the time. And so when T-Mobile says all the time, we are customer obsessed and it feels fake, like it feels so fake to hear a company say that, but it, I swear it's not. No, and it's it's interesting to to hear how you speak, but then also the work that you're doing and how this is impacting customers. I mean, thinking about the models that you're created and the human impact. I mean, those are those are important pieces for your team, right? Yeah, and and so when even when we're measuring the accuracy of a model, we say that that's only half the story. We have to measure the accuracy of the model and the human together to mean anything. And then once we have that accuracy of the model and the human together, then we have to measure the impact on our human customers. So I spend a lot of time writing code and a lot of time thinking about how humans feel about it. That's really important there because I think so many people focus just on the model and the output of the model, and they don't necessarily think about, well, okay, so the model says to do X, but what's the impact to the human and to the customer as a result of that? Well, and accuracy is only part of the story. So my one of the members on my team always says, they tell this joke and it says, uh, I, I worked at a business and fraud was fraud was very, very rare. But when it happened, it was really important. So we really needed to detect fraud. So they asked me, can you build a model that can detect fraud? And I said, yes. And I built one and it detected fraud with 99.99999% accuracy because it always says that it's not fraud because fraud is very rare in my business. I never detected fraud. Thank you. And and that that story kind of haunts me. And I think about it every time that I'm creating a model where it's like, Accuracy can't be the thing that you're focused on. You have to slice it down and be focused on the business outcomes at the end of whatever you're building at whatever flow or pipeline you're putting it into. You have to be focused on those KPIs that are way further down the business road than you anticipate. No, that's incredibly important. And so, you know, kind of bridging off your comments about taking that holistic approach when considering the impact, what are some of the ways and some of the things maybe that you've learned along the way? So, I think I think the first thing is that as a technology organization, it's easy to get really, really, really scared of what you don't know, especially in the artificial intelligence space, because people speak about it so lofty and every every new thing is breaking edge, cutting edge, it's going to change everything that we do. And it's easy to think that the person that you've been sitting next to working with for 15 years or five years or however long is not capable of doing that big, flashy artificial intelligence that you keep hearing about. But, but a lot of the times they are. And so, for example, I found somebody who is labeled as a marketing manager in the risk department 
who is actually a data scientist. Like he sits at his computer, he writes R code, he delivers stuff that's very valuable. And one of the biggest things that's been a real struggle for our team is when you open up the can of artificial intelligence, you have to change the way that everyone's thinking about products because you have to move to a more experiment-focused mindset where you say, I'm going to try things and it may or may not work, whereas in software, you can kind of always guarantee that you deliver. And so in these people that sit next to you that actually understand a ton about data science, there is a huge well of information of just even product thinking, how to think about data products because they understand that enough. And then it gets even more, more intense Um, I have a colleague who is now, she's a machine learning engineer on my team now, but she was actually hired to be a standard Java developer on a software team. Well, it turns out that she has a master's degree in in linguistics, and now she's leading our speech transcription project because she has all of that knowledge inside of her. She knows how neural networks work. She went to graduate school. It's just the role that she was classed in wasn't the data role, so people assumed that she didn't have those skills when she does. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, this really is finding gold in unknown places, isn't it? Yeah, and and the thing that's so fun is that Right now, it's a really good time to tap those people on the shoulder because artificial intelligence is so fun and hot right now that if you have somebody that you think has a little bit of knowledge, it's, it's easy to get them excited and want to come work on your project. So that's a, that's a bonus. That's awesome. That's awesome. Heather, thank you so much for sharing your experience at T-Mobile and how machine learning and AI are being used to change the impact to customer service. Yeah, thank you that's for having awesome. me. I could seriously talk about this for like, hours. So (laughs) your passion definitely comes out and that's just so encouraging. So that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Catch all of the ahead of the pack episodes by visiting us on CIO.com slash podcast slash ahead of the pack or by finding us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For IDG and AWS, I'm Tim Crawford with AVOA. This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications in association with its sponsor, AWS.